Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart and you're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What to Be is a program provided by Your Future is Our Business, the Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect its career in its entirety. And today I have the pleasure to speak to Alan Protasio, who is the Interpretive Program Specialist at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Hi, Alan. Hi, Patrick. Good morning. Morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Thank you very much for helping us out doing this interview. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you again. Alan, do you briefly want to describe your career journey for us? Sure. Uh, Where to start? So I uh, grew up outside of Chicago and, you know, you don't get a lot of marine biologists out of the Midwest, but I grew up going to the Shedd Aquarium, uh, which I kind of attribute to kind of starting my interest in marine biology. So with that, as I was kind of getting towards uh, high school and looking into colleges, I kind of took a leap of faith. Um, So junior year of high school, I took a class in Southern California for a college, uh, Occidental College, and it was an oceanology class. And basically it was uh, a month long crash course for high school students to kind of give them an idea of what uh, marine biology was like or oceanography. And so we got lots of hands-on experience going out in the field, going out in boats, doing collections, taking samples, writing reports and stuff like that. And just that experience was absolutely confirming for me that marine biology was what I wanted to do. So then when I was looking at colleges, looked into several along the West Coast and uh, saw Hawaii Pacific University. And one of my uh, roommates in that college class or that college class that I took in high school uh, had also looked into that, that university. So Hawaii Pacific University is a smaller private university, and it was a huge advantage for me uh, going there because our class sizes were quite small. Most of my upper classes were about 10 to 15, as opposed to if I went to like a state college and sitting in a lecture room of, you know, 800 people, Mm -hmm. I just would not have survived in that kind of uh, situation. So it really was a huge advantage to go to Hawaii Pacific University and get some experience there. While I was out in Hawaii, was able to volunteer and intern at the Waikiki Aquarium. And that's where I kind of started my aquarium experience. So I did animal care, husbandry, uh, working behind the scenes and worked specifically with the jellies uh, while I was out there. And then soon after I graduated, so this was back in 2009, and that was also about the time that the economy crashed. And so I didn't have a career in marine biology just yet. I was delivering pizzas at Papa John's. And my girlfriend, who became my fiance, and now my wife, she was selling dogs at a puppy store. So a couple of marine biologists not doing marine biology jobs. So we decided to move out here to California, where she grew up. And soon enough, I was really, really lucky to land a job here at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. So that was back in May of 2010. So I've been here for 11 years now, which is crazy to think of. And I've done a little bit of everything during my time here. So started off as a seasonal kind of recruit doing kind of frontline admissions, uh, taking tickets and everything. 
And eventually I was kept on and did a lot of work in guest experience, which is kind of the, the front facing. So doing some of the programs and tours and things like that. And then I shifted actually and went to fundraising here at the aquarium. So I was working in membership and development. And I did that for about five years or so. And that was really interesting. It gave me an opportunity to really see the back, uh, the backside of the aquarium, if you will. So it really gave me appreciation for everything else that the aquarium does aside from being an aquarium and just kind of give me a good background uh, and appreciation for everything that we do here. Throughout all of my time here, I've also been a husbandry volunteer, uh, so animal care, uh, working behind the scenes. And so I've done, again, a little bit of everything, worked in a lot of different galleries. The, the favorite ones that I've been with have been uh, a couple of our jellyfish galleries, both are permanent as well as our temporary ones that we've had. But by far my favorite is tentacles, which we still currently have as a temporary exhibit here. I'm a sucker for cephalopods. They're my favorite group of animals. And so it was amazing to be able to work in that exhibit, especially as it was getting kind of started and opening here at the aquarium back in 2014. So from there, from membership development in 2017, I came back to guest experience as an interpreter. And my main role there was working with our volunteer guides, so our docents essentially, and basically providing the education and training for them to be able to go out on the floor and talk with our guests and share our conservation messages. And then now, currently, uh, we've, since the reopening, you know, we're still short staff, we're still shorthanded. Uh, the folks that are here are doing a little bit of everything. And so as an interpreter program specialist, I'm still doing that interpreter role in terms of providing education training for our volunteer guides, but also doing much more of some of the public programs. So some of the feeding programs or behind the scenes tours, auditorium programs, all of those things, our team basically kind of came together. We kind of combined our teams to basically cover anything, you know, as you visit the aquarium, anything that you do as a guest, essentially our team has a, a hand in, in terms of that programming. So I think that covers my, yes. my trajectory, uh, kind of long and winding. Uh, no, but, but it's really awesome. And it sounds like you really just help keep the aquarium going on all kinds of different levels. Uh, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you know, it's 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 a pretty incredible place to work at. And, and I consider myself lucky to be here. Yeah, very cool. And I love that you love the cephalopods. I think they're so cool. The cuttlefish are just amazing, yes. you know, watching them and just, right. They can have like be having multiple conversations going on at the same time with their body. Like they use those like different pigment, right. To talk. Um, yeah. You know, they're just, they're just so alien, right. right? It's, yes. you know, there's always that kind of obsession with space and aliens and outer life and everything like that. But like, there's so much unknown just underneath the surface of our own waters. And I, you know, cephalopods are, I feel like our aliens that just happen to land here and are just kind of taking over. For sure. And I think like the eyes too, they have like these really beautiful kind of crazy alien, whatever you want to call it looking eyes. Um, yeah. Just yeah. an incredible, incredible group of uh, animals for sure. Cool. Alan, you know, you've told us a lot about what you do. Do you want to just maybe talk about kind of what your just day to day or like week looks like with all that you do? Yeah. For volunteer guides uh, during the weekdays, we have three shifts a day. And so we're responsible for each of those shifts can have, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 uh, guides. And what we're doing is giving them kind of a briefing, letting them know like what information they need to know that day so that they can be successful out there on the floor. So we'll do some of those. Then I might be doing 
you know, a couple of feedings, some of the otter feedings or the open sea is one that I just got checked off on. So that's the big million gallon exhibit with like the tunas and the dolphin fish. Um, so that was a really fun one to get checked off on. Alan, did they have a shark in there at one point? So we do have sharks. We have many sharks throughout the aquarium. If you're referring to a white shark. Yeah, that's what um, it was, a small white yeah, shark in there. Yeah. We've had six uh, over our history. Uh, the most recent, I believe, was back in 2011. So we've kind of discontinued that program and we're doing more of the kind of in situ, if you will, research. So out in the wild, okay. uh, kind of tracking, you know, where they're going, where are they doing out there, that type of thing. Okay. And, you know, Alan, what kind of environments do you work in? Are you working in the office sometimes conducting your training, maybe over the last year, maybe some of that, or are you just out and about moving around talking with people? Yeah. So uh, a little bit of both. It's actually a really good combination. So there is certainly some office work, the trainings that we provide. So the briefings take place uh, across the street in our guide lounge. And so it's kind of like a, almost like a little lecture hall, if you want to think of it that way. It's, it's much smaller, of course. And then, you know, there's a decent amount of desk work in terms of prepping and, you know, preparing those updates and briefings as well as our uh, enrichments. So we also do currently virtual enrichments where it's a little bit more in depth into any given topic. And this is something that we used to do along with the briefings before their shift. But of course, with the pandemic and not having everyone back, we've kind of done this hybrid kind of model. So we develop those as well. But again, you know, a lot of the work that we do is on the floor. And so, of course, when we're doing the feedings uh, on microphone feedings, we're in the space, in the exhibit space and, and doing that. But we're also out on the floor and just interacting with guests, obviously also supporting our volunteer guides while they're out there on the floor, because inevitably they get questions that they can't answer. So it's really kind of a big support system for our entire guest experience team whenever we have the aquarium open. Okay. And I think the aquarium has like an auditorium, right? Or like a lecture hall. Is that, are you guys opening that back up or is that still maybe something that you're pushing back? Yeah. So it, you know, with the reopening, it was kind of a slow rollout and mm -hmm. it still kind of continues to be. So we do have the auditorium open. It wasn't when we first reopened uh, back in May, but over the summer, we were able to open it back up. It's not at full programming. A lot of it is some of the video programs that we show. So there's behind the glass that we show pretty heavily throughout the day, but we do have two live programs now that we're um, able to present in that space. So it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, again, this kind of rebuild and reopening, we're still kind of building back up and staffing has a big, big part of that in terms of the programs that we can provide. Yeah, I bet. And Alan, do you want to share with us some of the skills that you use in your career and, and how did you learn these skills? Was it through school or just through working really? Yeah, um, I honestly, a, a big part of what I do is communication. And I don't know, it's kind of interesting how that kind of comes about. A, a lot of it is just, it's just what you do on a daily basis. Yeah. And you just kind of learn, you know, over the years, I've, especially in this role, because for me, I'm, I'm 35, I come off as I don't know, I guess young, but you know, the, the majority of our volunteer guides are an older, you know, kind of base, a lot of retirees and things like that. And so it was really important for me to, especially when I first came into this position was, you know, how do I earn their respect? How do I earn their trust? And one of the big things for me was I, I don't want to come off as all knowing or that I'm the teacher and you have to learn from me because to be honest, there is so much knowledge in the volunteer guide base here at the aquarium. 
you know, some of these volunteers have been here since the beginning. They've been around for, you know, at the aquarium for 36 years, which is just incredible. So I certainly want to come in with a feeling of like, I know more than you and you're going to learn everything from me. It was more of an appreciation for what they can really provide for me and what I can really add to that. And I don't know, it, that was one of those things that I, I really told myself early on. I don't necessarily know where I learned that from. It's kind of hard to pinpoint some of those things. It's it's part of your nature, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I think it, so much of this position, or at least the, the portion of working with our volunteer guides, it's so much of that kind of personal mm-hmm relationship building uh, with them because, you know, on one hand, yeah, certainly there's the education and training, but you really got to build that trust first, at least in my eyes, you really got to build that trust first for them to really want to take in anything that I have to say. Yeah. And then having like the knowledge behind what you're saying too, I think just instills confidence and allows you Mm -hmm. just to communicate more effectively and, you know, very, you know, clearly, which you do, which I would imagine is a huge help. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, certainly having that marine biology background is a huge, you know, it's a huge boost uh, in this position, but I will say it's, it's not everything. I think, you know, anyone, you know, and our volunteer guides are a perfect example of that anyone can learn, you know, some of the, the information that we're providing. Really a big part of what we do is kind of storytelling. And that's what it, the interpretation is. So it's more than just kind of spitting out facts. Cause you know, if you throw out numbers and things like that, that stuff is just going to go in here and one out the other, right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not stuff that's going to stick. A big part of what we do here at the aquarium is storytelling. So we can include those facts and things like that, but it's really about making those connections, making it really hit home with our guest. Because if we don't make those connections for, for our guests, they're not really going to feel connected to the ocean. Right. So if a guest is visiting from Chicago, for example, maybe this is the first time they're seeing the ocean and then they're going to go back and never see it again. If we don't make that connection for them, that they have an effect on this ocean out here or that they should care about that, then they're not really going to have, have that. They're not going to have that appreciation. They're never going to get that. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big part of, of what we do here at the aquarium. I feel like overall is just making those connections for people so that they can kind of feel more connected to the ocean to the point that they might change something in their life mm-hmm. to want to help conserve or save the ocean. That's really great. And, you know, you, you've been talking about the guys and we have a mutual friend of ours, uh, Joe, and it's, <laughs> been, you know, he just, I love talking to him about the aquarium and just how much fun he's having and, and learning, you know, from people like you. So I just think it's great that, you know, there's so many, you know, just awesome people that want to volunteer and help the aquarium out. And, you know, they're lucky to have people like you that help guide them you know, so they can do a better job too. Yeah. Honestly, I think one of the the overriding themes that I, I always see is just it's passion, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's passion from the staff side and, and wanting to share this information, share that. And there's passion from the guides in terms of also wanting to share that, but also wanting to just learn and absorb and appreciate all of those things. So yeah, yeah makes our job really easy. <laughs> Very cool. Yes. Thank you. And for all those who are just tuning in, you're listening to the What To Be Show on KSQD Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. I'm Patrick Hart, and I'm speaking with Alan Patasio, who is an interpretive program specialist at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And Alan, you know, speaking of conservation, we were talking before the interview about, you know, just how important the conservation is to the aquarium. And also, you know, the aquarium's relationship with MBARI, which is the Monterey Bay Area Research Institute. 
Yeah, so they're considered a sister institution. And so they're located out there in Moss Landing and they do a lot of the kind of deep sea research. They're doing lots of other research as well, but a, a big focus for them is kind of that deep sea research. So uh, as I was mentioning earlier, we're really lucky to be here in Monterey Bay uh, for a number of different reasons, a nice, clean, beautiful body of water. But in terms of Mbari, we have a submarine canyon that starts literally a mile offshore. Uh, that's a huge advantage for Mbari in terms of being able to get out there and do lots and lots and lots of research. Most folks that are doing deep sea research have to go into the middle of ocean basins, which takes a long time to get out there. It may take, you know, a couple of weeks to get out there. And then you have to spend, you know, at least a couple of weeks to a month or so of doing research out there to kind of make it worth it, you know, for all the resources that you put into that big trip. With Mbari, you know, we can do day trips. And that's pretty incredible, uh, just having that access, you know, really on our own back doorstep. And so that affords them a huge, huge advantage in terms of the type of work that they want to do and, you know, being able to do a lot of follow-up work out there. Again, just really incredible what they're doing over there. Yeah. So it's not just the accessibility of the uh, Monterey Bay Canyon, but also just, you know, the type of life down there too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we've been working with them really closely because a new exhibit that's coming in spring of 2022 is going to be Into the Deep. And so um, we've been doing research and development on our side for the past few years in terms of, you know, can we get these animals up to the surface? Can we exhibit them? Can they survive, you know, not being down at the, the deep ocean? So mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been working closely with them for a lot of different things. They've been hugely helpful for us, uh, even when we're doing the collections for tentacles, which is our cephalopod exhibit. And we've had some deep sea uh, cephalopods in that exhibit. So I was really lucky one time to actually go on one of those collection trips aboard one of the research vessels. And it was just mind blowing to, to be in that space and to be in their kind of control room where they're manning the, the ROVs and controlling those. And it's amazing. It's it just mind blowing what they do. Very cool. And yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question. I was going to ask you, you know, what are some of your more favorite projects that you've worked on or are currently working on? Um, wow, that's a good question. Um, I think things that I've been involved with in previous years in different roles, certainly just with tentacles, with that exhibit, you know, that when it came about was really the first of its kind. Uh, so there hasn't really ever been this kind of collection of cephalopods all exhibited at once, uh, all at one time. And, and two, with a lot of these cephalopods, there isn't, you know, like a guidebook in terms of how do you take care of some of these? So a lot of it was kind of just trial and error. Um, so I remember I have vivid memories of when they were kind of developing that exhibit and we were working with different animals and we we're trying to figure out like, what's the best way to exhibit some of them because they're cryptic animals, right? They, mm -hmm. they want to stay hidden. They don't want to be seen, but in an exhibit, you want to show off your animals, right? So how do you, how do you find that balance? And I distinctly remember um, during that process, you know, we were in the back and playing with different setups for one of the exhibits and just playing with different colored sand and substrate to figure out what would be best. And it's, it's a process. You just kind of have to figure it out. You just have to try it out and, and see how the animals react. But what I love about that exhibit, I think is kind of a testament to the amount of care that the aquarium puts into all of their animals and all their exhibits is that 
you know, we're culturing our animals, especially a lot of the cephalopods. And one of those really great signs that the animals are doing well and, and comfortable on exhibit is that they're reproducing, they're mating, they're laying eggs, they're basically carrying on their, their life cycle. And more often than not, they're not going to do that if they're not in kind of a safe environment, safe place, they don't feel comfortable. And so this exhibit, like I said, it's been running since 2014. So seven years strong, which is just incredible when you consider that the vast majority of cephalopods, their lifespan is less than two years, most of them less than oh. one year. So oh. they're constantly, constantly culturing animals behind the scenes because you never know when, when you know, it might be the end for, for one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, yeah. That is super interesting. And Alan, why is your job important to you and or to society? Ah, that's a good question. For me, this is, I mean, this is just something I'm passionate about. This is what, you know, fills my cup. This is what gets me going. Being able to share something I love, something that I'm passionate about with others and to see that kind of light up in them, to kind of see that passion get passed along. That's hugely, hugely rewarding for me. I know I've done a good job if I can get one guy to say, oh, I didn't know that, or that's something cool or anything along those lines. That means I've, I've done my job when it comes to society. That's, you know, that's, that's a big thing. I'd like to think that, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're trying to share those conservation messages. And a big thing of what we're doing with our guides is just really getting them comfortable in those conversations because it can be difficult. Those can definitely be difficult conversations with guests, depending on, you know, where they're coming from. And, but at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're all connected to the ocean, whether we realize it or not, it may be a direct connection, like many of us here on the West coast, but, you know, very simply, you know, the ocean controls our overall climate and controls the, the world's climate and all the kind of systems and weather systems and things like that. So at the end of the day, you know, we do have an effect on the ocean and the ocean has an effect on us. And so helping people kind of realize that. In any small way, it doesn't have to be, you know, we're not expecting people to completely flip the switch and, you know, be the you know, world's best conservationists, as, you know, mm -hmm. after they visit the aquarium, but just to kind of tweak the mind a little bit to, to like get people to think differently yeah, and just think like, about. Yeah, we're yeah. just like plant those seeds, right? Or a seed. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's just starting that conversation because mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest things when it comes to conservation is just starting the conversation and normalizing those conversations. Yeah. Very, very awesome work. And Alan, do you want to talk about kind of just the typical hours that you do work in a week? Yeah. So, you know, it's a regular 40 hour work week and that's kind of split up. I would, you know, say that's kind of split up between on the floor time and kind of the training education time. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we, we spend a good amount of the day kind of on the floor interpreting for our guests, doing some of those on microphone programs and things like that, but also helping support our volunteer guides. But another half of that time is, you know, spent kind of developing uh, that stuff. So we're constantly generating content for our guides on a weekly basis and just kind of developing those things. And, you know, at the end of the day, how do we best set up our, our guides and our staff so that they can be successful out on the floor? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Alan, what did you find surprising about your job when you started? I think I, I didn't expect myself to really build those relationships, I guess. I, I didn't know what to expect when I was coming, kind of coming into this. Mm -hmm. So when I was interviewing for this position, well, the interpreter position, this is before the closure. 
when I was in, interviewing for the interpreter position, you know, I knew a lot of it was going to be about the education, and the training, but I didn't really, I guess, spend a lot of time thinking about all the guides. And at that time, before the closure, we had somewhere around like 650, 700 volunteer guides oh was, was, our, was our volunteer guide base. And that that's a huge, you know, group of people to, to manage and to really provide for. And, but again, I, I think one of the big things for me when I was coming into and taking over shifts and things like that was really realizing where, how important the, that relationship building was. And really overall, I think that's, that's again, what allows for us to be successful in terms of sharing our message, sharing communications is really building those connections. And that's something that that's a big theme for me when I talk about interpretation and just overall, it's, it's all about making those connections. And so I think in, when I first came in and, and started working with the different guides and building those relationships, for me, that almost was the more fulfilling part of the position was, was getting to know the people and getting to appreciate, you know, their histories and what they brought um, to the overall guide program. And Still fulfilling for me, absolutely, to be able to provide that education training, Mm -hmm. but it's, I feel like even more so fulfilling to kind of get the, that relationship, that trust, that respect, kind of building that with the guides, I think is even more fulfilling. Isn't that pretty cool? Like when something that you didn't even consider previously ends up being something that you really value, maybe, maybe not the most, but well, or whatever that you value a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's certainly, I think in being in this role now um, and being it for gee, four years now, it, it really has given me that appreciation for, for those relationships and for those connections. Yeah, that's really great. And, and Alan, what advice or resources can you give to students who are interested in pursuing a career in the line of work that you're in? Yeah, honestly, it really is just getting out there and looking up opportunities, things that interest you, what are you passionate about, I think is the most important question to ask yourself. And two, it's kind of important to keep in mind as a student, if you're you know, looking into colleges or you're a college student, you're still kind of figuring that out. So also don't feel like you know whatever you're doing now necessarily is your trajectory, no matter what, into the future. Always feel like you're constantly learning and that's constantly influencing you as a person. But what I would say in terms of uh, advice for, for students that might want to get into marine biology or might want to work in an aquarium or might want to be like a science communicator, honestly, is, again, just getting yourself out for those opportunities, internships, volunteer positions, really anything that is going to get you good experience. Because at the end of the day, that's what, you know, companies are going to be looking at, organizations are going to be looking at is, is really what's your experience uh, with all these different things. So yeah, again, for me, I think a, a big thing for me was taking that college class in high school. I don't think I would really be on this trajectory now if I hadn't kind of taken that class because that really was a confirmation for me that that's where I wanted to go. Uh, honestly, if I hadn't taken that route, I would probably be an accountant and not really enjoy my life right oh, now. Oh <laughs> man, but yeah, that's so great that you did it. And you know, that's a, that's a pretty big commitment coming from the Midwest to come out here in high school to mm-hmm. take, you know, a big class, you know, I'm sure... There was like some fear, but it sure sounds like it worked out. You know, that's yeah. working. It's working out well for you. Absolutely. It was, yeah. it was definitely a leap of faith. I think having support from my mom in that and, and from my family in that was, was helpful. But yeah, with, with these, you kind of have to 
get outside of your comfort zone and be willing to do so because you never know what kind of opportunities might be available to you if you kind of just let your guard down just a little bit and, yeah. and just be open to those things. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And Alan, what about advice for someone who is unsure about their career path? Yeah, I think it all comes down to like, what, what fills your cup? What, what are you passionate about? Because, you know, at the end of the day, if your career is what you're going to be doing day in and day out for, you know, 40 hours a week, 52 weeks a year, you know, it should be something that you enjoy. You know, so many people get stuck in careers that they don't enjoy and it just eats away at them and it it affects their, their life. I will hundred percent admit that I'm very lucky to be in the position I am now, but I absolutely love what I do. And that allows me to enjoy the rest of my life and be able to bring that into the other portions of my life as well. Alan, thank you so much for doing the interview. Is there any last things you would like to leave us with? Just, you know, again, it's, it's just uh, being passionate about what you do, I think is just fulfilling for you as a person. Um, so if you can find a job that allows you to do that, all the power to you. But if not, just find what aspects of your job kind of fill your cup and what keeps you passionate. Focus on those things, I think is really important as well. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And Alan, thank you again for taking the time to help us do this interview today. I really appreciate your help and, and, you know, hearing more about what you do with the aquarium. I just think that, you know, you're doing really meaningful work and, you know, just the aquarium as well, you know, all the different people and all the different guides and everything. I really appreciate what you guys do. Absolutely. And I uh, appreciate you having me here today. I was uh, really excited to, to chat with you. And um, yeah, you're, you're always welcome to come down. Your listeners are also welcome to come down to the aquarium anytime and uh, feel free to reach out. We'll, we'll be out on the floor. Awesome. Thanks again, Alan. And, and thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story with me, Patrick Hart, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Alan Protasio, who is an interpretive program specialist at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, please send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays and streaming online at ksqd.org. Or you can find us on major podcast streaming platforms like Spotify. And please visit our website at yfiob.org for more information about your future as our business. Thank you very much and see you next time.